Great to see you this morning. Thank you, team. Awesome stuff. Yeah, it's great to have them back, isn't it? They had a well-earned break. And wonderful to see you back. Doing okay? You're doing good? You're looking good. I hope you can talk back to me today because today's going to be a very interactive time. We're going to hear from two or three people. We're going to hear from Lana. We're going to hear from Lance. And we're going to hear from Gloria. I've seen Lana. I've seen Lance. Gloria, where are you? Hi, Gloria. How are you going? We're really looking forward to hear what you have to say today, as we are from Lance and Lana, which will be really good. I don't know about you, but I love story. I really enjoy stories. I've got plenty of stories, as I'm sure you have. But one of the things I love about story is that it moves us and motivates us and inspires us to give things a go, particularly when we hear about the stories of others. And here's the thing. Everybody, every one of us has a story. We were born somewhere. We grew up somewhere. We have memories that have been made. We're on a journey from somewhere to somewhere. Our journey, our story has highlights and it has things that we wish that never occurred. But we can learn from story. We cry, we laugh. In fact, I'm quite an embarrassment when he tells me to the family, we went and saw the movie um, uh, Johnny English Strikes Again. <laughs> I tell you, I love that stuff. I know it's Mr. Bean, and I know it's very cheesy, but um, I'm half the entertainment to the family and to the rest of the theatre, I'm told. One of the things that a story does, it, just, it inspires us, it brings us into it, it stirs our emotion. Have you noticed facts don't do that? I remember what turned out to be a very funny story of a guy who I was a builder in Palmerston North and we were there many years ago, and he would love telling facts. And the facts would go like this. I, cut a, I was building a fence and I cut a piece of timber and it was 1.1 metres long. I kid you not. No, it wasn't. It was 1.2 metres long. Really? And then I cut it again to two lengths of 600 mils long and I put five nails in it. Really? <laughs> so all these facts came and all I was doing was going, can you please, please just give the facts a break and let's have a decent story. Wendy and I were with her mum and her siblings in Masterton over Christmas, and we went to Wendy's family farm, which was great. And one of the first things that happens when Wendy and her brother with, and her other siblings, there's the gravel road, and instantly their memories are sparked about Wendy and her brother, her younger brother, when they're teenagers, having a race on their push bikes down this driveway. And of course, Wendy being very competitive, she's winning. Her brother falls off, grazes his elbows quite badly. And Wendy tells us part of it. And I got a hiding, she said. I was nowhere near with him. He fell off, he grazed himself, and it was all my fault. I don't know about you and your family. Stories can relate around things. We've got a number of stories in our family related to the telephone. And uh, on this particular day, Wendy was preparing chicken. For an evening meal, she had a cooked chicken. She was breaking it up into multiple pieces to put it into a salad, I think. And the phone rings, as it always seems to when you're doing things like that. 
So Wendy quickly washes her hands, picks up the phone, goes to the lounge, puts her feet up, has a natter for a little while, thinks, right, I've got to get back into the kitchen, prepare this, this salad for the evening meal, we're having chicken tonight. And she comes into the kitchen only to find the chickens gone on walkabouts. And the children have gone very quiet. So Wendy's walking through the house. Where are you, Chuck? Come here, Chuck. Only to find it with one of our children in our bedroom on our brand new uh, bed mattress. Where we only, in fact, bedspread, I should say. We only had it for two weeks. And here was this chicken strewn all over this bedspread. I could tell you a number of, of stories about chicken in our family, but did you know that there is over 110 million chickens consumed in New Zealand a year? That's a lot of chicken. We're roasting them, we're stir-frying them, we're having them as KFC, grilled steam, you name it, we're eating it. <clears throat> when it comes to chicken-eating steaks, we're number seven in the world per capita. Australia is number three, US is the number two, and here's a surprise. Israel is the biggest eater of chicken in the world per capita. Isn't that interesting? So there you go. Some interesting facts. Here's one more about chicken. Did you know that over 50 billion chickens gave their lives last year for protein around the world? That's a lot of chicken, isn't it? Yeah. But here's a story of a chicken. Can I have the slide, please, Linda? <clears throat> this is from the movie Chicken Run. And uh, the title of my message this morning is Know Your Story and Tell the Story. <clears throat> and this chicken is going to be one of those 50 billion chickens that loses its life and ends up in chicken pie. And she says this interesting thing. Oh, me life flashed before me eyes. And then it goes on, and it was really boring. It was really boring, she says. But she's saved, and she's got a story to tell. And so I want to encourage us today, we all have a story. What do you think of your story? Because I can tell you it's not boring. You have something to give. You have a voice to share. And 2019, I believe, is your year to share your story. Isn't that a good challenge? Everyone has a story. All of us have a story to share, and we're part of the greatest story of all, God amongst us. God amongst us. As it says, we'll go to the next slide, thanks, Linda. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, <clears throat> uh, this is what the Scriptures mean when they say, this is a quote from Isaiah chapter 64, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. No eye has imagined, or no eye has seen, no mind has imagined, no ear has heard what God has prepared for you, the one who loves him. And God has written long in advance a story about your life and a story about my life. And you can read about this in many places throughout Scripture. But one of them is in Ephesians 2. 10 where it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us and you in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for you to step into every day. And all he's looking for you is to say yes. 
Yes, choose me, Lord. Yes, send me. Yes, I will open my mouth. Yes, I will tell my story because it's a good story. It's a good story of Jesus changing me to be more like him. And that's what our world needs. Amen. I'll tell you this. On Friday, I was out and about um, and very conscious of this scripture. God has prepared uh, things in advance for us to do. It's true for every one of us. And I was in Te Awamutu, and I thought there's a few cafes I could go to. Which one do you want me to go to, Lord? And this one came to my mind, so I thought, okay, I'm going to go there. Who knows what will happen there? So I go and have a coffee, do some work there. I go into this little alcove, and there's a guy I haven't seen, I kid you not, for 10 years who used to come to our church here. So we had a great conversation, and I'm going, it just felt like God had appointed that a long, long time ago, and just stepping into it, and there it was. And I know you've all got stories like that to share as well. But just imagine what God can do in our city if we say, yes, Lord, I want to participate. I want to walk into the story that you have for us. God has it all written out. Let's go to the next scripture, thanks. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. God is so interested in you, and I believe 2019, God is calling us individually and collectively to step into all that he has for us. And what he's looking from each one of us is, yes, yes, Lord, I will step out. Yes, Lord, I'm going to fulfill the story you have for my life, and thank you. In doing that, it's better than anything else I can choose to do. Do you know one of the things I've found through my own experience, and I'm sure if you've walked a few uh, decades through life, you've probably found it as, as well. I used to think purpose was about what I decided it to be. And I've discovered as you, you go along, you actually find it's not what I choose it to be, it's what I discovered God wants me to do. It's a discovery process. It's an unfolding process. It unfolds around the things that I love doing. It unfolds around the things that I hate, the things that annoy me, the things that I enjoy. You know one of the things that really annoys me? Do you want to know? Do you want to really know? Okay, you'll, you'll think I'm really, I don't know if I should tell you. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. What really annoys me is when I open a cutlery jaw and all the cutlery is in the wrong places with all different types and it really bugs me, and it really annoys me. And my purpose in life is to sort out cutlery drawers. <laughs> and I've got as far as our home, and that's about as far as I'll go. But all last year, I was so annoyed about it, I said to Wendy, I'm going to buy myself a Christmas present. Some new cutlery. But maybe what annoys you is what God has in mind for you to solve a problem with. Maybe what you love doing is where God's purpose is unfolded for you. And so this whole thing of story for us to walk into. About 12 months ago, I shared a message on story, looking at the life of Joseph. He's one man. He is favored by his father. His father buys him a coat of many colors. I'm sure you know the story. It's in Genesis from chapters 37 to 50. There's a lot of Genesis given to the account of Joseph. And of course, the story is that he ends up in prison. He gets um, treated pretty roughly. Then finally, he gets promoted to president of Egypt. And his brothers uh, 
in the land of Canaan come looking for food. And he reveals himself to them. And here it is, through one man, a nation is saved. 400 years later, Moses is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses saves a nation. And it's really interesting, as Moses is about to cross the promised land and save and lead Israel into this new promised land, it's really interesting. What, is, what, what does Moses say to them? Does he say, I want you to celebrate your freedom? Does he say, we will be like Winston Churchill, we'll fight them on the beaches and we'll fight them in the air? What does Moses say? He doesn't say any of that. He says it in three times in, in Exodus, around uh, chapter 25, I think it is, and he says this, mums and dads, tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story to your kids. St- tell it for generations. Tell them how God delivered this nation out of bondage into freedom. And, of course, the story goes on with Jesus, who liberated mankind. And Jesus says, tell the story. And so it really got me thinking, and I asked Wendy this. I said, do you know how I got saved? She said, I think it was to do with a coin, wasn't it? Is that it? (laughs) You think it was to do? And then she asked me, well, how did I get saved? Um, I think it was when you were 11, wasn't it? And then I realized in the busyness of our lives, we had known these stories but forgotten them. Then I asked my girls, I said, do you know how I got saved? And they said, well, was it a coin? And, and, and then I said to them, so tell me, they asked me, do you know how I got saved? And I said, was it youth group? And I'm going, my goodness. And then I asked Wendy's mum, who's staying with us. I said to her, do you know how I got saved? She said, no. Nope. <laughs> okay, Nana, you don't know. And I thought, my goodness, if we're encouraging people to share their stories with others, I don't know about your family, but maybe your family is a bit like mine, that we're used to, but with the busyness and just, we're assuming we've told it once, people must know it, it gets a little bit lost in the swirl of life. And so I want to encourage this church, 2019, Make it a year where you share your story with your family and know their story, how they gave their lives to Christ, how they work out their faith. When Wendy told me her story, 11 was part of it, and it was wonderful to hear. When the girls told me their stories, I'm going, oh, my goodness. And one of my girls said, and I never knew this, my story is about a coin just like yours. Really? Really? And I'm going, this is amazing. So I, church, here's the thing. If you have a group of friends, why don't you go out and have coffee and say, how did you find faith in Jesus? How do you outlive your faith? Or if you're married, why don't you go out for a really nice date somewhere, have a really nice meal, and say, I'm going to tell you how I got saved and how I live my faith out every day. Wouldn't that be good to do? Wouldn't it be so good? And what I thought we'd do today is hear from some people who are going to share how they found faith and how they live their faith out on a daily 
basis. Do you want to hear those stories? It's really, really good. Well, I'm going to ask Gloria. Gloria, would you like to come? Let's give her a big hand as she comes. And we're going to hear a little bit of her story. I think Gloria's stories are inspirational, as everybody else's are, but uh, I think you'll be really blessed hearing your stories. Thank you, Gloria. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, well, I'm not actually going to tell my story of how I found faith, but about stories of what's happening in the community out there. So, um, Ray, you pinched a little bit of what I was going to say. I was gonna, just going to say to everybody that life is all about stories. Our lives are all about stories, and those stories usually include people. And I don't think there's ever a story that's about facts that is exciting, as Ray said, but it's about people. And, um, and each story is made up out of decisions and choices. And it could be a choice of, do I go to the supermarket this morning? Do I go to this shop this morning? Do I go and do this this morning? Because in that process, you get to meet people and you talk to people. And that chatting to people can make a story. And so I have the privilege of running a service, mother-daughter services, for transport and companion for... Um, the ladies, and in that, um, in my position there, I get the chance to speak to people, to ladies as I take them to appointments and shopping and whatever, and it's a real privileged space to be because I have time with them, and I get to chat with them about everyday things and Jesus. <laughs> so in, in that, in everyday things, I can bring in about Jesus, and it's just so special. So... Um, one particular case was a couple of weeks ago, I took a lady to a hospital appointment for a transfusion and um, she was so incredibly nervous and when we got there in the in this, in big armchair for her to have a transfusion, she was really nervous, shaking like a leaf and once she sat in the chair she just burst into tears and was crying and it's quite a busy little place where the transfusions take place and nurses everywhere and I thought oh my goodness I can't leave her like this <laughs> just can't leave her so but with the busyness around I thought I, d I didn't know where to place myself and then I thought but God <laughs> so I just said to her do you mind if I just pray for you before I go and she looked at me because I'd, I hadn't had any conversations about the Lord with her at that stage and she said yeah okay okay and she's like this you know <laughs> so I sat down on the chair beside her and I thought if I just close my eyes I won't see everybody <laughs> that's a good space <laughs> so I, I took her hands and I just prayed for peace and I prayed that the transfusion would go well because she's really nervous about that part um, and just yeah along those lines and when I opened my eyes she's just staring at me and she said who were you praying to and so I said, God, your creator, and he loves you. And so um, she was just like, oh. <laughs> and, and I said to her, have you noticed anything? And she said, what, what? I said, you're not shaking. You're not crying. And she was. She was totally peaceful. And so to follow on from that, after that day, a month later, when I took her back for the next transfusion, she asked more about the Lord and wants to come to church one day when her health is a bit better. So it's just incredible space to be. And um, just another little one, um, a lady who didn't know anything about the Lord, and it blows me away that people can get to a certain age and not 
know the Lord and we're so privileged to know and to be able to share that with others is, is fantastic. But um, So she taught, she loves trees, this particular lady loved trees and she used to say, oh look, she didn't get out very much so when she got out it was like trees, you know, and she loved trees and I just said, I, I said about yeah, I love trees as well, and, and I talked about the creator of trees. And on that process, um, just talked about the Lord and prayed for her back. She had a really bad back and saw transformation after transformation each time I took her on appointments and had deeper conversations. I gave her a Bible, and she was like, I can't wait to get home and read it. And this is a lady who is 86 years old, and she was just glowing, seriously glowing with the presence of God and she talked each time she hopped in the car, she started the conversations. So she'd gone from somebody who didn't know anything to actually having a real relationship with God and in our stories we can, we've got the privilege of showing people that relationship that they can have, that it's not just all about, it is about salvation and eternal life but it's more than that, it's about um, carrying Jesus with us and getting us through our days you know some people struggle with health issues and things but if we have Jesus with us it's so much easier and so much better so be encouraged those chats those stories those conversations you have with people out there can be their story as well <laughs> wow Isn't that inspirational? Lance is going to come very shortly. I also had asked Dave Dilley um, to share. He's working this uh, day, but he said, look, I, I'd like you to share my story. So I said, okay, Dave, I will try and give it justice. So Dave had become a Christian many years ago, and one of his friends invited him to go to the Marlborough Sounds. And uh, so Dave said, yep, that's good. Um, he's a Christian. I've just become a Christian. I better not smoke while I'm there. So Dave goes over and enjoys his time and goes, but I'm really hanging out for a smoke. And um, he prays, God, can you give me a smoke? I need a couple things. And this is without a word of a lie. He said this boat just appeared out of nowhere, came up to the beach, and he said to the guy, you don't have a, um, some cigarettes, do you? And he pulled out, and there's a pack of cigarettes with two smokes in it. He said, here, they're yours, and then just putters off. And Dave goes, God, you're amazing. I don't think you really support smoking, but hey, thanks for the favour anyway. And then Dave tells another great story. They were in the Marlboro Sounds again, just become a Christian, and they were cooking up a barbecue and they needed some onions. He goes, blow, I haven't got any onions. And there's some kids there and one of these children comes up, oh, we just found this onion in the sea, would you like it? <laughs> so isn't God good? So praise God for that. Let's give a hand to Lance as he comes. Thank you, Lance. Well, I've never smoked, but I like onions. So, um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different tact uh, today. Um, about, oh, not, no, not about. Let's facts now, Ray. No, no more facts. <coughs> Fifteen odd years ago, see, that's about. Um, I was working for a company, and I spent a lot of time on the road. Um, I was an account manager, and the, my area of um, of um, account managing was pretty much from Taupo North um, across the Gisborne, Napier, Hastings and that sort of stuff. So I was a lot of time on the road and in fact um, I wore out a couple of cars while I worked for the company because um, you know, 100,000 k's is, is, 
in those days, that, you know. But anyway, <clears throat> so I had a lot of time to myself. And for about six months, I was um, talking to somebody in my car, and I never had anybody in my car, you know. I was always by myself, you know. The passenger seat was, like, pristine and new, and so were the back seats. And I used to have these arguments, and I know a lot of you people have had arguments with people before, and you don't know who the heck they are. Um, but this person was always right. And, um, and, and, you know, I was... Yeah, I always knew that there was a God out there, but I just I, I didn't want to focus on it because it was just too hard. It just didn't want to work for me. Um, leading up to my salvation it was quite a hard case because the company I worked for, um, we used to have a, a conference every year, and um, the conference this year was in Rotorua, and, and, and because of my role in the company, I was one of the, the keynote speakers. And um, at the same time as that conference was on was... Uh, was the um, South City Church over in, over in Glenview. It was their, um, their, their yearly camp. How many of you guys have been on yearly camps with churches? Eh? I hear a few yays. A few. Um, I never used to go to them. Eh? It's not, I'm not going to get involved in that Jesus stuff. That wasn't for me. So I know Sue was very disappointed that um, I was going to this conference, but I was quite ecstatic because I didn't have to... You know, there was no excuse now. Sorry, I've got to be at the conference. Well, about... Six weeks before the conference, and believe you me, we, we had some, um, uh, you know, there were some things around the conference that, you know, we had to have uh, 75, 80 people there, um, all this sort of stuff. All those boxes were ticked. In fact, we had nearly 100 people signed up for the conference. For some unknown reason, that conference was cancelled. To this day, I do not know why that conference was cancelled, and I don't really want to ask, but, um, <coughs> but anyway... Um, I went, ah, what do I do? Do I um, go fishing? Do I not tell Sue? Uh, yeah, I thought about it and thought about it, and then, then a couple of weeks of thinking about it, I, I really felt probably pressured by this person that I was having arguments with that I really should go to, the, to this camp. So I came home and I said to Sue, um, I'm going to come to the church camp. And, and her reaction was not what I expected. It was, oh, yeah. Because at that stage, I don't think she believed anything that I was saying. But that's okay. So I, I turned up at the camp on the Friday night with Sue and, and the kids, um, a couple of kids anyway. And um, there was a prophet there called Alex Larson. He's an AOG guy. I, I'm sure some of you guys know him. He comes from Papakura. And, um, and at the first night we had, there was about 120, 130 people there, and we had this big, you know, what we just had this morning, lots of songs and all that sort of stuff. And Alex Larson, being a prophet, gets up and preaches a very short message and then he says, uh, excuse me, sir, would you like to stand up? <laughs> yeah, you, the one that's looking around, you know, would you like to stand up? So I, you know, reluctantly, you know, stood up. And he proceeded to um, lay out my life um, in front of me and I just went, you are kidding, how does this guy know all the stuff about me, because it was absolutely true, what he was saying, you know, and he just, so after the service was finished, I went up to the um, two pastors, uh, Pastor Paul Dunn, who, who um, came from this church and, um, and planted South City, and, and, and Pastor Barry Sanders, and I said, you guys, you know, I hate you, because you have told Alex Larson all about me, and they went, what are you talking about, you know, what are you talking about? Um, Quite a few years later, I, I spoke to Alex and I said, how do, you, how do you know when you have a prophetic word for somebody? And he said, Lance, it's like a TV screen. He said, I look at it and I see your life 
flash before your eyes, before my eyes. And he said, I can just speak to it. So I went, yeah, that's cool. Okay. So the next day, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to draw this out just a little bit more. The next day, I, um, me and Sue had to go, a pretty good friend of ours, um, mother had passed away. So we had to go to Auckland for the funeral. And um, it was very quiet in our car. Sue did not want to break the um, whatever that was going on. In fact, we never spoke all the way from Cambridge through to Auckland, went to the funeral, came back. Very quiet. You know, I was thinking, what is going on? You know, there was a real stirring in me, and I just did not know what it was. Um, the next morning, the Sunday morning, we had a church service, and um, as, you know, I, I didn't go to church. The only time I used to turn up at South City was when they were having a feed, you know. Um, where's my friend Owen? He's not here. <laughs> so, you know, as you do when you're not saved and, and you're, you're scared of all this stuff, you sit right at the back of the church. Now, there's a big glass window at the back of this. Um, it was a hall, actually. Um, no windows, no opening windows, no doors. I'm leaning up against the, the, the glass there. Um, and, um, damn, they did an altar call. Now, I hadn't a clue what an altar call was, and I didn't really understand what they were talking about. But without a word of light, this is, this is the fact now. Um, Paul asked if anybody would like to receive Christ in their life. And I felt on my back these hands pushing me out of the chair. So, so you can imagine, you know, I'm this horrible guy that has been around the church for a long time but never goes to church and only turns up for a feed, um, sitting there going, <laughs> everybody's looking at me. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> and I really felt the audible voice of God saying, come on, Lance, it's your turn now. And I turned around and I said to Sue, do you want to come with me? Well, you know, anyway. And that's how it happened. The follow-on from that, um, and I just, I just want to, I'm not going, Ray, I'm not going to go into how do I share my faith on a daily basis. The follow-on from that, that was that when I looked back over my life, I had a praying wife for 20 plus years. Hey, absolutely amazing. Thank you. And I just know now that the power of prayer is so strong and we know that when we pray and what we ask for, God will deliver. Alan, you talked about feeding... I worked out what the segue was. You talked about feeding um, the 5,000 and feeding people out there. What I'd like to do now is I want to get a little bit more personal because I know there are a lot of you guys out there or you people out there that have either got a husband or a wife that is not saved who have got children that's not saved. That's where I want to, I want to, I want to get right down to that nitty-gritty. I understand that we need to be sharing the faith to everybody, but I want to get down to that nitty-gritty, husband, wife, or children. If you've got husband or wife or children that are not saved, could you please stand up? Wow. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that you lift up all of the husbands, wives, and children that are not saved of these people here, place them on your altar, and deal with them in the way that you need to deal with them. I just ask you now, Lord, 
that you come into their life and that we will see some miraculous things happening with amongst this family, Lord. I just ask this and I claim this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Lance. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, let's give him a hand. Great to hear. Great to hear story, isn't it? It's absolutely inspiring. Thank you, Sue, for your dedication to prayer. It's wonderful. Lana's going to come and briefly share. And uh, let's give her a hand as she comes. Lana has a great story too. Thanks, Lana. Thanks, Ray. I never used to think that I had a great story because I was brought up in a Christian home. And when I started going to youth group and you'd hear stories of people that had a dramatic transformation like Lance, I would feel a bit like, oh, mine's a bit boring. Like, I don't know the difference. I've never not known Christ. And when I was about five years old, I... I remember vividly riding around my trike around the house and every time I got to the tramp, I'd bike under the tramp and I'd say, please, Jesus, would you come into my heart? And then I'd bike around the house again. I'd say, please, Jesus, come into my heart. I just wanted to like, ask a few times to make sure he heard me and then he got the message. So that's how I came to Christ. However, um, my parents do have a dramatic story. Um, my father, before he met my mum, was a drug user and a drug dealer. And my mum, who had left home about 15 and had multiple relationships with people, and they basically met and got married very quickly. And after they were married, they'd gone to, uh, I think it was an AOG meeting, similar to Lance actually, where um, my dad recalls that he felt like the man was speaking directly to him, even though the room was packed and I think they were in an overflow room. So they became Christians from that meeting and I actually asked my nana recently how she came to Christ and she said that when my mum became a Christian, she saw something different about my mum and she wanted what my mum had. So my mum brought my nana to Christ and then even my granddad on his deathbed a number of years ago brought my granddad to Christ before he passed away, So, which is really special. So as a result of my parents, I was able to grow up in a Christian home. Um, My dad's nana um, had been to church her whole life and was an intercessor. So I know that we have had that backing of prayer over, and I've got um, three sisters and we all follow Christ today. Um, I was born into and brought up in a brethren church. And so the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about. It's almost like the Holy Spirit didn't exist um, what we weren't taught, we weren't actively taught that, it ne- that the Holy Spirit never existed. It was just never mentioned. And so uh, every year I'd go to, uh, when I was um, in my teenage years, I'd go to HM Rage. Do you remember that, Pam? <laughs> HM Rage at um, Totra Springs was the, like a youth camp. And I would always feel like, and I didn't understand it, but I'd be moved to tears often and I never kind of understood like why I would feel that way. So even though I was brought up in in a Christian home, the Holy Spirit pursued me as an individual in my teenage years. And so I was about 16 when I came to this church. So I've been coming here for about 24 years now. And this is where I met the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit pursued me in a way that 
no, I, no one had ever taught me. It was God pursuing me. So I was a Christian my whole life, but this was a, a new level of um, being baptised in the Holy Spirit, learning to speak in tongues. And the way that my life is now because of the Holy Spirit is really different, I think, to if I had stayed in my old church and never um, never known that he existed. Um, and, and, a, and even now, in a day-to-day sense, I, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and supports me in my job, in my role as a parent, and in all of those things where I just don't know what to do. He's always there helping me and talking to me. Thank, thank you so much, Lana. Power of story. We've all got one, haven't we? just want to ask you the question that I put to Wendy and myself uh, in this last week. Do I know the story, the faith story of my partner? If I'm not married, my closest friends or my parents, do I know the faith story of my children? Because I want to really encourage us this year to really embrace it. Uh, And isn't it just so wonderful to hear the stories of these people? Absolutely inspiring. And every one of us has a story. And we all have a story to be told. Here's some stats about... These are from the the US. um, 3,000 church Christian believers from evangelical churches were surveyed. 80% said we have a responsibility to share our faith about Jesus Christ with non-Christians. 75% in the top right-hand corner feel comfortable to share their faith. But in the last six months, and and this is the US, so it's not New Zealand, so obviously the facts wouldn't be the same for New Zealand, but over 60% of people haven't shared their faith with somebody else. So they feel comfortable to share their faith. They know they can share their faith, but they're not doing it. Who's in that camp? Who's there? So 80% go, we've got a responsibility to do this. 75%, yeah, I can. But over 60 people are saying, I'm not. I think God wants to say, come on, church. You've got a great story to tell. Let's get it out there. And here's the easiest way I know to do it. Be started in your families and let it spill out to your neighborhoods and your workplaces and so on and so forth. Wouldn't it be awesome to do that, to see our neighbors come to Christ, workmates, see our city absolutely transformed because people are sharing the love of God through their story. Awesome. And I really feel in my heart God is saying, come on, church. This is our year. This is your moment. You've got a great story. Let's stand up, step out and share the story. And it's very, I think, you know, some of us may not feel that confident to do it, but it's a good place just to start in your own family environment. And so can I encourage you to give it a go? Who's set to give it a go? Who wants to give it a go for 2019? Okay, if you're here today, you're single, go out with two or three mates to a nice cafe. If you're married, and if you haven't been on a date for a while, Take one another out to a really nice restaurant. Go on, don't look at me like that. She'll love you for it. 
and share your story and hear about it and ask your children and ask your wider family members. You will be amazed at what they say. I was staggered when I asked my girls. I'm going, I never knew that. I didn't know. You'll have stories like that too.